How you doing, everybody? Welcome to the Data Lab on 4 Frequency Sync. This is where all of the hard work gets done, and this is where the scientific method is king to make you a smarter fantasy football player. Joining me as he does each and every week here on the Data Lab. He is the professor. It's John Bush. John, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dennis, uh, week six, uh, not as many teams on by, but injuries abound, right? There are a plethora of energy uh, injuries. I don't know if we have a you know, murder of crows and herd of cows. I don't know what we call them. We need to develop, we need to develop a term, you know, uh, everybody likes abbreviations and terms here. Uh, but we got to think of something. I don't know what you call rash, maybe. I don't know. Uh, you know, a hive, you know, because they talk about the injury bug. Maybe Ooh. it's a hive, you know, a hive of injuries happening. Something. But we need to put our thinking caps on with that. Uh, I don't know if we want to talk about any of the injuries. Your waiver wire is out at the science of fantasy football and your weekly values so that is up been up so uh the listeners i don't know what you're doing goofing around y'all need to head directly there and absorb be like an amoeba absorb it all in and uh, our waivers at ffpc runs tonight so we're we'd like that extra day to to mess up our waiver wires and overspend and underspend, you know, that's, that's what time is good for is to uh, gyrate around and make lots of mistakes. No, I, I hope not. Uh, I will say one thing uh, in case folks are not awake. I don't know if you've heard this yet. The Arizona Cardinals said that, that, Mr. Ingram, Kay Ingram, <laughs> yep. is on top of the data depth chart for running backs over DeMarco, I guess is how he says the DeMarco. DeMarcado. DeMarcado. Now, so before we get into the data, uh, so is, is he trying to trick us, Dennis, to, you know, he's got some fantasy leagues and he's trying to... <laughs> You know, it's kind of like that old James Bond car. You know, he pushed a button and the oil slick could come out and trick all the evildoers and make them slide off the road. So I don't know, is that an oil slick force or is that telling us it's going to be committee? Because he said Ingram is coming back this week as well. Slap me around, slap me around a little bit. And so I've been backing down on the obscene amount of fab I was considering spending on uh, uh, not on Ingram. So now I've got to put Ingram down the pecking order a little bit. Just, you know, I don't want to look too bad. But uh, what you think, Dennis, on that news? Yeah, I was not surprised to see that. I think it will be a 50-50 split. Well, Connor, yeah, it's the dreaded 50-50 split because, well, Connor was getting about 70% of the volume. Which is we like. Which we like. That's good. Which yeah. we like. That's, that's good volume. Um, you know, I'm not so sure that the coach has the same amount of trust in 
a rookie, an undrafted free agent rookie, DiMarcato. But, of course, Ingram was a late-round pick himself, so it's not like he has been a big gem or has all this draft capital that's exciting the coach. And here's the thing. When Ingram has been called on in his short career to substitute for James Mm -hmm. Conner, his average yards per carry is under two yards a carry. When DiMarcato has been asked to sub in this year for the Arizona Cardinals as a rookie, and he's gotten good, uh, a, a decent amount of use here before, you know, he got four carries there, four touches the week before Connor went down. He got 11 touches and did okay. His average yards per carry is almost three and a half yards. So it's better, but still yeah. not outstanding. Um, and I think that the the feeling is that Ingram, as a guy who's been around at least a little bit longer than DiMarcato, might be more likely to be a, a good guy in the passing game to pick up blitzing linebackers to keep the quarterback alive. That's that's my guess. Plus, a lot of coaches, they just don't like to hand the job over to a guy based on injury. And Ingram was second in the pecking order until he got hurt. Um, went down week three. Um, and he got six touches week three. So it, it, he was a good sub for Connor. And now I think it'll be pretty much a 50-50 split. So, I, you know, I like, uh, you know, Amare DiMarcato. It's a, it's a great poetic name that just should mm-hmm. be a great NFL player. And, you know, yeah. just a great name for the play-by-play announcers to just mm-hmm. rolls off a tongue. But it's Con- Connor. Connor was good, but not overly great in his production. He was good because he was getting the volume. And that's what made James mm-hmm. Connor the play. Mm-hmm. If you go 50% of Connor's production and you go ahead and have less quality in those touches, you know, I'm not so sure where DiMarcado or Ingram rates this week if you're if you're having to go to them because everybody is hurt um and, and i really think professor it'd be quicker for us to tell people the players that aren't hurt than tell them all who got hurt this past week the list is long but um yeah i'm i'm not crazy about either of those but it's all about the volume with Arizona and reading that volume is going to be the key. And, and sometimes the answer that first week after a guy gets injured is wait and see. And I'm, I'm afraid that that's what we have coming for us, but you have dived into the data pretty deep for all the teams and have come up with some very interesting data to share with the class. Yeah. Okay. So just, uh, finish this up i scale back my play uh arizona last couple weeks have had about 
56 to 70 touches more closer to you know six let's just call it 60 touches so if it's 30 touches um, we go down go down from week five so just be aware don't overpay for him i'm i've i've gone down in my bid and added a little bit uh to ingram i'm looking in chicago uh, if uh, Deontay Foreman is there, I put a little uh, tad on him. I've kind of got him and Ingram uh, kind of about the same area down the pecking order. So I'm going DeMarcado f- first, assuming there's some some leagues, Dennis, I'm actually bidding on Justice Hill. People gave up on him. And so I'm, I'll take him as well uh so depending on my league but that's kind of what i'm thinking about for the waiver wires okay so i wanted to say that i will say scoring wise arizona running backs have been league average nothing bad or good so versus say chicago has been poor as far as PPR per snap scoring as a position. So if that's, that's why I'm rating Ingram a little bit over Foreman anyway, because of Rashawn Johnson is there. So using those metrics, I'm underwhelmed by my choices, but it is desperate times. And I, you know, we've got to have something out there. And so that's, where, where B and probably others are at right now, Dennis. So that was all of that. So you want to talk then efficiency data? Is that is that what we're home away efficiency? Oh data? yeah, I'm I'm really intrigued with these yeah, numbers. Yeah, you like be- that. Well, because so history. Yeah, go ahead. It, because last year we were able to pick <laughs> up very early <laughs> in the season <laughs> on a trend having to do with the Detroit Lions, mm-hmm. and Jared Goff, mm-hmm. and it led to making the right decisions mm-hmm. for the second half of the season. Setting our lineups, oh, we yeah. were, had a stronger hand at dealing with Detroit, yes. And then, you know, the Vegas numbers as well played into that. So, but I, I would agree that I think the way we used this last year, we were kind of overweighting maybe the efficiency for Detroit because it was so skewed. In other words, any kind of dramatic sitting outside the rest of the data set in the science method usually implies, especially if it's a system and in, in biology, there's probably elements and things that we don't understand. It's telling you there's probably depth here to factors that we're not aware of. So whatever it is, you know, it may be coaches. It may be just golf's head, maybe the team feeling better. I don't know what it is. I, my feeling was last year that it was just something that we might not could measure, or if we could measure, we probably don't want to tell people about it because it would be good <laughs> secret stuff, right? 
but there was something. So in a system and using the science method, when you find skews, that's probably telling you, you probably don't understand what you think you do. And this is so skewed, something really is going down. And sometimes you just got to follow the wave, Dennis. You know, you just got to get on there and until it plays out. You know, it's kind of like horse racing. You know, if the horses are one horse, was it cigar? He just kept winning. It's like secretariat, just kept winning. I mean, what do we got to do? We either pass the race or we jump on board until it stops. So I felt like that that efficiency data was so skewed. We had to just jump on board and play it. And that's what you and I did. And it worked out. We, we made some good decisions when maybe there was less clarity with say Vegas or other things that allowed us to take advantage, certainly of Amon Ra and having confidence to put him in daily fantasy sports all that kind of combined together. So just kind of stepping out of this data, that's how we used it last year. Last year was the first year I used it. So I still consider this beta testing and I haven't put Dennis's weekly values in this and we haven't done the Vegas. So right now it's just kind of this piece that's sitting out there and we're not sure the connection levels to it. So just people, and you're saying, well, why don't you know? Because we don't have a fleet of interns that ESPN should provide for us. And then <laughs> Dennis and I could just throw ideas and patterns out and we would know a lot more. And then we could give you more definitive answers. But right now we, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like crossing a frozen lake. It's like, well, I hope it's as thick over here as it is over there. Well, we don't have the data yet. So it's kind of like, I guess we need to be cautious or just kind of, oh, forget about it and hope you don't fall in. And I'm more cautious and like to have data to drive my decisions. And so that's just telling everybody that's how we use this. It's not infallible. And we're, and some of this, I'm not sure. I can tell you the 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 other factors that we're not even we're this is just kind of the top of the iceberg. How deep is it? We don't know. All we know is this is there and it has some use. So we're going to play this year like it does have use, but still going to have common sense, right? We're we're not going to bench CMC, right? You know, we're not going to be fools. But, you know, there's, again, those flex players, the fringe players, this probably could help make a decision, Dennis. And that's what I want everybody to realize that we're, you know, we're not just stuck to, like flypaper, we're not just stuck to this data. This is helping us in making our decisions. Our, our gumbo of data, and it helps it taste a little better i hope <laughs> yeah and and here's how i use data like this is i use it as a tiebreaker okay mm, so okay. if i've got two players that are very tight on all the metrics the mvp index is close the weekly value is close they're 
their defensive matchups are even very close. You know, where there's really no edge that you can get between those two players. I will let this be the tiebreaker sometimes. If it's if it's definitive enough in one direction or the other, and I had a couple of occasions like that last year where I had to make the decision between Goff and another player for my starting quarterback. And it was Goff and I think Dak Prescott. And on weeks where there was no big defensive matchup difference if i had golf at home it was an easy decision yeah. i was i was rolling with it because the past performances told me that this was working and that this was this is a winning move but if i had joe burrow in golf and i didn't have a, a killer defensive matchup for burrow I'm playing Joe Burrow. Like, I'm not going to go to the lesser player just because this data is in their favor. But if it's close, if there's a muddled mess, if it's that tiebreaker that you're looking for, this is where that data comes in handy. And the deeper leagues you play, the more muddied messes you will have for your decisions and the other, you know, the leagues where it's more, Hey, this you're, you're, you gotta win with your studs. Then you don't mess with it. You go with the surefire stud in your lineup and you don't try to outthink yourself, but the more muddied the mess is. And here's the thing, folks, as injuries start occurring, just like you heard us talk about the Arizona running back situation. The the answer on who is going to get the most touches this week is I don't know. It's it, and I'm not being cute there. I don't there is not enough data to tell you who is going to get more touches. Coach is trying to tell you that it'll be Ingram, but past performances of quality of touch tell you that. DeMarcado might be the hot hand. So coach come into the game with one idea. And if that guy goes minus two on the first three carries of the game, the coach is probably going to make another move and take another look at what's going on. So, you know, a lot of times in fantasy football, when you're looking at it from a scientific basis, you don't have a, and that's okay too. And that's okay too. That just tells you to on your, on your lineup decisions. And there's nothing wrong with being cautious. There's nothing wrong with going with the guy who has been when you're, when you're looking, when you're, when you're looking for a tiebreaker, but data professor, because data professor, because sometimes it points out a team that you might not think more efficient, more efficient at scoring fantasy. For um, for in, um, for instance, you know the Denver Broncos have been horrible this year. They've been a train wreck when it comes to winning football games, but they've been kind of a good team to have some guys on. 
in your fantasy football lineup because they're they're always throwing the ball. They're always they they need yards. They need they need to make plays because their defense is so awful. And that's a team that has sort of surprised you when it comes to fantasy football production. So the metrics that I use, Dennis, are the speed. It's like points per second of play and yards per game. So I've combined that in those three data streams into this, and I did this last year. And I, by the way, this data will be up maybe Friday. So uh, uh, we can definitely uh, talk about uh, Thursday's game, Dennis, if you'll remind me before we leave this. But anyway, so I sorted by, so I have uh, uh, the, the entire 2023 season efficiency, okay? Uh, and I use color color metrics here. Green is high and good and red is, is bad. And then I looked to actually at the last three games, and I like to see what teams have been improving recently. And so I actually colorized and sorted uh, by the last three games of efficiency, Buffalo, number one, Seattle, Denver, Houston, Miami, New Orleans, Detroit, the Chargers. Frisco's right there on the edge. The bad teams by efficiency, New England at the bottom. Oof. I mean, they're bad. Dennis, they're five times or, say, three times worse than Buffalo. As far as, yeah. That's, and so people, what you can do, and I didn't do this, but in your head, you can use these raw data and kind of make that kind of ratio in your head. You know, one is, you know, one way and one. So you say other one, the Giants, other one, the Giants, Jacksonville. Lawrence has been disappointing, and this metric is catching that. Philadelphia is actually in here. Even though Philly's been winning with their, you know, with things. I mean, that just tells me they're underperforming. Vegas, Washington, Cleveland. Those are all at the bottom of of the barrel here. So there's probably some that are not so surprising down there, Dennis. I'll I'll stop here and let you comment on on that. Then we'll talk about the home and away splits in just a second. And I try to do a a little analysis of of teams that I'm sort of scared of (laughs) before the season starts. And this year... It was New England, it was the New York Giants, it was Cleveland. Those were the three teams that scared me the most. So in one-year fantasy leagues, I have very few players from those three teams because I just didn't know how well they would do. And I added to that the Atlanta passing game because I had no faith in that. So Drake London's a great player. Kyle Pitts is an amazing athlete. But the offense is geared to run the ball. It is not geared to pass. So I'll take my lumps by ignoring those guys and let it beat me. 
and it's worked out pretty good this year. Uh, last year, I was in avoidance mode on the Jets. I didn't want the Jets players on my team because I just feared that that offense was not going to be very good. And each year, I have those teams that I kind of say, you know what? I don't really want their players. Um, if they fall way below their ADP, then I'll have to look at them again. Like if Saquon dropped to the third round, I'm I'm grabbing Saquon Barkley. Yeah. You know, it's just. But at their at their expected cost, mm-hmm. I just didn't see those teams as providing great value. And I'm glad to see that, based on the efficiency data, that those three teams I made a good call on. Yeah. And I ha- I'm sharing uh, the figures with Dennis here. And again, the static images will be up. And Dennis, before we get to the home away splits, I also did team efficiency last three versus all games. And so we have a, a combo chart. The bars are uh, the total uh, of, I guess, what, five, five weeks. And then the line with the little squares is the last three games and so the differences are skewed like improving or declining teams and we have three improving teams buffalo uh houston and and actually new orleans their last week certainly helped their cause but they in the last three games have improved versus probably their first two games and decliners we're talking uh, Green Bay, Dallas, uh, you know, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Washington, Atlanta, and New England have declined in the last three games relative to their overall. So this catches kind of these big things that are happening, you know, kind of who's hot now and who's not. And so I've got these figures here, Dennis, and so we can not only judge teams by, you know, their overall or last team efficiency, but have they improved or not recently? So that is probably good news for some of these teams and bad news. And some of this may be injury-related. Indianapolis is, you know, their, their quarterback's hurt again. He got hurt, left, came back, got hurt. So that hadn't helped their calls. Pittsburgh's been spotty. Washington has been spotty. The and so forth. Atlanta and, and New England is just off the chart. I mean, people are calling for Belichick's head. He it's like you know, Papal stayed too long at the dog track. It's time to wheel him out of there. <laughs> you know, he's blown all his social security check on those dogs. And Belichick reminds me they should just you know. Put a little uh, blanket over his, you know, a little shawl over him and just wheel him out the door. You know, Papa, you did good, but those days are done now. The the sun is setting on your time. But we'll see what happens there. But, boy, there, Dennis, there, it's like there's a cliff and then there's the bottom. And New England, this data shows they have just fallen down so bad the last three weeks. It's just pitiful there. Yeah, instead of uh, Belichick, you know, getting up there at the microphone and saying all, all he says is on to Cincinnati, 
uh, he might be saying it's it's on to the retirement home. Uh, yeah, I'm it's, telling you. It's been pretty glum, and this is two years in a row where the data has been really, really bad. And, boy, if you are stuck with some Patriots on your rosters, and I've, I've shed some of them uh, in the past couple of weeks. Well, Ramonde Stevenson has been killing me these last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, and he's so he good. He has moved to my flex now because of that. Yeah, and I've had a couple of leagues where he's headed to my bench because I just can't trust him at this point. But, boy, it's with all the injuries, it's getting pretty lean. But – um, I guess there's nowhere to go but up for New England. That's the only positive data spin we can make on this. But right now, it's it's ugly, and you know, I just I don't see the end to the ugliness. Yeah, I tell you. So uh, a little bit about home away splits. I've got a visual here, Dennis, and I sorted by a home versus away efficiency ratio. I like to, in science, folks, a lot of times if you have two different situations, right? How does the animal, you know, live in this in the forest versus he lives in the desert, right? You can compare their, you know, their weight gain or whatever, two metrics, and in this are two situations. So what I've done is looked at the home and away efficiency and made a ratio. And the home loving teams, Atlanta gets a if one is no bias, they are 1.9. So they're almost double the home bias. They are wow. extra high in home bias. So you want to play Atlanta. If you want, you know, if there's some players you want to play, it's when they're playing home. New England has that bias. Arizona. So if you're debating Ingram or DiMarcado, I don't know, are they playing at home this week? If they are, then this would suggest that's good for, you know, those guys in general, the team in general. If they're playing in a way, then that could lead to disappointment. So I, I don't know if Arizona's at a home or not, but they have a bias, 1.45. Pittsburgh, Miami shows some bias. Kansas City, Philly, Buffalo, and Detroit, Cincinnati. And then we're starting to get Cleveland's a little bit, you know, but you can start seeing. So Detroit, Dennis, was the one that was skewed so much last year. It's less skewed so far, but again, we've only had, what, five games. So taking off the first five games, Detroit has been a little more competitive uh, away from their home than we saw last year. So, you know, don't, you know, we'll have to see, and I'm going to, when I do my off-season, Dennis, we'll see is this predictable year to year. You know, right now I can't tell you, but it's funny that they're still skewed a little bit to the home side. Teams that do better away, and th this, again, tricks me. The Giants are so skewed to being better away. 
Wow. I mean, they're they're sucky anyway. Minnesota is an away team. Jacksonville with London, you know, I counted London as away, so one could argue. Chicago plays pretty good away. New Orleans, Washington, Houston, Green Bay all play pretty good away. So, again, I'm sure Vegas has some feeling, you know, about this and their big, you know, secret equations that they have or algorithms or, and you know, artificial intelligence. We're just nibbling apart, right? You figure it's the – what they're using is the whole cake and we're just getting a little taste of the frosting here with this data. But there it is, Dennis. So people can use this. I've got a, a bar graph showing the the skew to the home in a way. So this could be a good tiebreaker, right? For uh players and flexes and other kinds of situations. Or, you know, if you're trying to stream tight ends or defenses. You know, uh, I don't know how many home games like Arizona has in the next three or four, but, you know, if you've got Zach Ertz, you would definitely want to, you know, if you're streaming him, he would do probably better a home versus away, that kind of thing. So it can help you in streaming situations as well. Looks like Washington, Logan Thomas might have an advantage in away games a little bit. So, uh, you, you know, you can decide how you want to parse this data. I'm just presenting it. And one more thing, Dennis, that I just saw. Notice down here at the bottom of the sucky teams, almost all of them, right, are skewed one way or the other. Whereas, wow. yeah, whereas in the top teams, only three out of about eight or nine are skewed. So there, there tends to be maybe that's telling us something. I don't know. Just this is just data, you know. So I'm going to follow that up. Is in other words, is being, you know, kind of efficient is not getting yourself so caught up skew wise, right? If you can handle any situation equally or or close, then maybe you're better and more efficient than if you're skewed. I don't know. That's what jumped to me, Dennis. You see what I'm saying there? Oh, yeah. Overall skewed. Yeah. Yeah. And what it might be is it just might be a, another measure of inconsistency that we're picking up with this data. We might be picking that up too. In other words, I, I hinted that there's in a system, and fantasy football, folks, is a system. That's like your car engine. There are many pieces, things we know. If you open the hood, you see things, right? There's the fan, the radiator. But there is stuff inside that you, unless you're a mechanic, and, you know, it's hidden. You you know, if you're a mechanic, oh, I know it's there, you know, whatever. <laughs> All the electronics these days, but as, a you know, somebody that, doesn't work in the old days we used to be able to work on cars there was no you know computer chips to worry about in the old days you know you could be a shade tree mechanic not now you have to have your robot doing it your terminator robot to come in there and fix your damn car 
And by the way, I'm ready for the flying car and the robots to help me, you know, mow the yard and, and walk my dog and things like that. I, where is that? I, I was promised that on the Jetsons years ago <laughs> when I was a little kid. And I'm still waiting for, you know, all that good stuff I saw on Star Trek. You know, you could just talk to the computer and it gives you whatever you want to drink. Love that. Anyway, yeah. that's my last thing on that, Dennis. I think I've said enough. Uh, we can, if we want to talk on our Friday Science of Fantasy podcast, uh, I'll have this data if we've got any questions or things on, you know, uh, breaking ties or something. If you do have anything on squirrel or husky games that we talk about the highs and the lows of the week. This this is this is something we could use, you know, to help us make some, you know, thoughts about those games as well. Yeah, and that's going to be a good piece of of data to have as sort of a tiebreaker. And uh, mm -hmm. the Cardinals are on the road the next two weeks, so there goes that. One thing I will point out about Detroit this year: they yeah. have not had a road game played in wind yet ah, okay. so you see dennis said that last year a little bit and dennis what what you're bringing up is that's one of those factors that's hidden right? you're not it, seeing that here it's measured in the you know we're collecting it but we don't even know it's there yet That'd be very, if I could have average wind speed that the team has played a home and away, that would be interesting. Maybe some weather data you could gather for us. That would be an interesting data. Yeah. And, and the key is, you know, wind speed, it, it seems to only be an issue when you get above 10 to 12 miles an hour if it's a crosswind. Yeah. And, you know, well, again, we could, we could measure that. We Cross can measure that, but it is it is a tough component to try to factor in. But I use it more as a yes or no test. Mm -hmm. If I see a team, I see a quarterback, for instance, that mm -hmm. seems to have lower performances mm -hmm. in windy conditions, that's just a that's a little check mark to put by him. And the problem that you have is last year we only had four games that were marginally impacted by the wind mm -hmm. on the road for Detroit. So that's not a lot of data. We're, we're all those four games against great defenses anyway. Would, yeah, he, have, would he have struggled? You know, anyway. we don't, yeah, we don't know that because we didn't have enough data. But these are the sorts of things that when you see them, mm -hmm. it just it, it, it warrants a little more investigation yeah, and Down that's why we call it a beta test. That's yeah, and part of the scientific method. No, and it this will pick up other things. That's what I think too. That will need to be studied, but I believe that the having so many of these bad teams that have us have a real bias is probably Isn't a sign. That interesting? Yeah, that's... it's very interesting. It's probably a sign that they're just a very inconsistent team that for one reason or another has found places they like to play on the road uh, because of their style. Who knows? Yeah. But very intriguing. Yep. But 
like a lot of things in science, it gives you some answers, but it mostly gives you more questions that will need answers Damn it. in the future. But there's there's nothing wrong with that either. So head on over to the science of fantasyfootball.com. Check out the professor's data studies, folks. It's coming. You will learn a lot, whether it's the efficiency data, whether it's snap data. The professor digs deeper into this data than most people do. So head on over to the science of fantasyfootball.com. Check all that out. Check out our sister podcast. And of course, head back here to Four Frequency Sec next week for another edition of the Data Lab. Data Lab.